Okay, back with an old friend here. Let's go. Okay, folks, this is Dr. JPG Gerald. My name is Dr. JPB Gerald, and I am the host of Unstandardized English. This show, we talk about justice for the racially, linguistically, and neurologically minoritized. And today, we're going to talk about teachers, which is technically my expertise. My dissertation was about white teachers. And we're going to talk about teachers with a white teacher, white educator, I should say, as an academic. All right, we're talking to Dr. Elizabeth King, a good, good friend of mine. And sometimes I think I bring her on here mostly so I can have a chance to talk to her. But anyway, she wrote, or she has done research, on, oh, there's my dog, on teachers' beliefs about race and gender. And we're going to talk about her recent research. Support the show on Patreon. It's in the show notes. So, uh, read any of my work, including buying my book, which is also on my website, jpbgerald.com. And otherwise, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, yeah, I'm Dr. Elizabeth King. I'm an associate professor of child and family development at Missouri State University. And so I study how we talk about feelings with young children broadly. So and when I say young children, I mean like the tiny ones, like toddlers, preschoolers. Um, and so my recent work has been focusing on teachers and actually parents to beliefs about race and racism and gender and beliefs about emotions and um, how teachers actually socialize these emotions in their classrooms by using language about feelings. And so how they're talking about feelings with young children, how they are responding to children's emotions, kind of aligning with like who they think is allowed to feel what. And so that's why I'm also looking at their beliefs from like questionnaires and also interviews and asking teachers like um, what sadness feels like, who's what, what they're um like who is allowed to feel sadness and how it's supposed to look, essentially. Yeah, so it's been interesting because when I first started talking to you, like I met you and my son had just turned one, right? So now he's three and a half, and now I can actually sort of talk to him about stuff, which is interesting, mm -hmm. you know? He doesn't always have the most insightful things to say about it, but he's <laughs> able to say things about things. Um, and now, he, like, his dreams are influencing my dreams, which is weird, which is like he's convinced that a bear is going to eat him at night, I don't know how that happened. Same. Um, uh, like, we live on the 28th floor, so <laughs> I really don't know where he thinks the bears, bears are. Bears are smart, dude, though. <laughs> they can climb. They actually can climb very well, but there's not, like, mm -hmm. if there's a tree that's this high, we're on, like, some other planet or something. But anyway, so I always have to be like, no, you know, the bear's not going to come, and he's pretty, he's convinced the bear is going to come, but then I'm like, all right, well, if we're, if we're quiet, the bear won't come then, I guess. So we're just not going to, we're just going to be quiet then. That works uh, out for you too. <laughs> yeah, it's like very fine. But now, now I'm dreaming about bears. So, like last <laughs> night, I had a dream that we like we bought a house and then a bear came in the house, and I was just like, <laughs> why? Why are there bears? But then, but then, and I'm completely off track here. But then it turned out the bear was a person in a bear suit. But then an actual bear came. We didn't think it was a bear because the person in the bear suit. We're like, oh, it's not a bear. It's a person in a bear suit. But it was really a bear. <laughs> 
So I think that would yeah. be scarier if a person in a bear suit broke into your home. That would be party. There were like 30 people there. So we were scared of the bear, but then it was a person in a bear suit, but then an actual bear came <laughs> and it was, it was a problem. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why I thought about that. See, so anyway, new fear, new fears. Like the, this so, is why we need to talk about feelings with kids because fear is one. <laughs> one of the things my son does all of the time is as soon as, and it's only my wife as opposed to with me, is that as soon as my, my, my wife is, you know, frustrated, he goes, are you happy? Which well, like, she hates this. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and she's like, I'm allowed to be unhappy, even though she's not really unhappy at the moment. But then, like, she's like, yeah, that's like a are moment. you happy? Are you happy? Which, like, I'm pretty sure if someone asked me that constantly, I'd be pretty unhappy, too. No, like, yeah, that's forced happiness. This like forced positivity. It's like smile more, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I feel like I see a lot. He's just checking to see if she's happy with him, and then yeah. he starts. He's to like, apologize. "Am I doing okay?" <laughs> yeah, you know, he starts to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's like, "Just don't do it. It's fine." Um, but it's just it's, it's interesting watching his emotions, or not so much his emotions, but his ability to articulate his emotions develop, mm-hmm. because that's been really the. The main difference, especially since we went through the potty training thing and his sleep has gotten a lot better. And I realized, you know, he was really having trouble sleeping for a long time. And I'm just, we were thinking it was physical, like he was uncomfortable. It was a little bit physical. He had allergies and he was itchy, but he couldn't really explain it because he was only a little bit itchy, right? So Mm -hmm. it was only itchy enough to like wake up at night, but not itchy enough to be scratching. Right. To like place where it's coming from. Yeah. Right, right. So he's just like a little bit uncomfortable, right? You know, um, so that, that was some of it, but a lot of it was, was, you know, he was afraid that, you know, we would like leave him at night or something like that. I mean, like we do, but like, like right. he is being left. So not so forever. Was, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We told him we were thinking about buying a house next year and he goes, can I come? Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> can I come? Am I, that's so funny. He's navigating, like, am I a part of this family? Like, yeah. are we all doing this together? Like, yeah. so, I mean, that's so really anyway. real. That's a really real fear. Who do I belong it, with? It's it's interesting to think that they, these are things that you have to learn. Like, I can't remember. I mean, I don't know if he'll, he'll remember all this anyway at his age. But, like, to remember back to a time when that didn't, like, if my mom told me, not now, but, like, when I was younger, my mom was like, we're moving. I'm not going to I'm not gonna be confused. Like, obviously, I'm going. Right? Right. You know, like like, and you're going to leave, right? You know, um, so anyway, into the teacher's beliefs and all that. So, you know, you talked about the meds a little bit and the questionnaires and so forth. But I would say, instead of just telling me what the findings are, which, you know, will show up in the articles eventually, what would you say is the thing that maybe surprised you the most about, um, you know, how they responded to things? Because to me, just like people can say a lot of things, but I, I, I'm interested in sort of, Maybe I know you're not supposed to go in with a hypothesis, but I just mean in the sense that like, I mean maybe I but like you've just been going with full assumptions, but like you still went in, you clearly thought something was going to happen about what they were going yes. to say. So how would those two things compare? I think, I think I was surprised, not that there was this, but the amount of like cognitive dissonance in teachers' responses. So in their questionnaires and in their interviews that we did, um, it makes full sense, um, you know, when I'm thinking back on it. But I kind of went in thinking like, okay, some teachers are going to understand racial inequity at least a little bit and speak on that. And that would be um, 
a little bit more of a cohesive understanding, like a worldview. And other teachers are really going to have not have the experience of learning about that. And they really are going to be like a lot farther behind on the understanding of that. But what I found was like, everybody was everything. <laughs> so like, even in the questionnaires, we, the two, I asked them about um, their beliefs about the causes of racial inequity. So if it is, um, if actually systemic inequity kind of exists and we ask them about like their agreement that like, yeah, that's a thing versus no, that's not why, um, that is not why black people are less successful. It's actually more of a cultural deficit thing or no black people are, uh, we're actually post-racial. We're in a post-racial society. Race doesn't matter for anyone's experience. And so I kind of expected there to be folks who are like, um, for it to go one way. And so even within one teacher's questionnaire, they were at the same time saying, yes, schooling inequity is a really big problem. That is, that is, there are definitely like black children are suspended at a higher rate. And that is because of racism. And at the same time saying like these meritocratic beliefs of like the American dream, like if you work hard enough, you can do anything. Race is not a barrier to your success. It is, it is just your hard work. And so they're holding these like really dissonant beliefs because to me, it's like, how do you feel both of those things at the same time? Um, and that would come out in the interviews too, where folks would say like, like really understand this, but then say things like, no, but not in my school or not in this age group. Racism doesn't really exist for kids in toddlerhood. That's for older kids to, to figure out. They're not really thinking about race. It doesn't really matter for preschoolers. Um, and so it was a lot less cut and dry than I thought. I thought it would be more like clusters of folks who, speak about it on one way and or the other way, but it was, it's a lot more complicated, which again, wasn't terribly surprising, but I think it's just really interesting because this dissonance, I think allows for also like a point of contact, like a point of inter- intervention to say like, yeah, we're, we're almost there here, but like what, how do we reconcile those two things and have it be more of a conversation about what we're, what we're thinking rather than starting from scratch. You know, I, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, about the sort of different ways these things work, and I was talking about this with some people in the chat or something, and we were talking about how certain figures, you know, will will exploit systemic racism for their benefit financially, and it's probably true that they don't actually believe these people are inferior in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's true for everybody, but there's definitely figures where you can be like, this person probably doesn't actually think this, right? Like, they're, they're just right. doing this, right? And I was thinking about how the way we're taught it, and it's, you know, um, the way we're taught it is that it's people being mean to each other, right? But like, Right, I would that argue, individual. Right. I would argue, to me, the people being mean to each other, which is not like good, uh, but has less of an, like, I, I would be, look, if, so, if an individual is so hateful that they're going to be mean to me, like, I don't want to hang out with them or anything like that. But I would argue that until they're putting that into the system, it's less important than, than the societal factors in terms of influencing right. a large number of people. Right. And to me, the problem with, you know, things as serious as, 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 um, you know, actual, like, racially specific violence or whatever. It's not that it happens, which is obviously a problem. It's the people do it because they're going to get away with it. And the fact that they either can get away with it or get away with it 
you know, more easily or get a lesser punishment or whatever, not getting to the whole prison thing of it. But like, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's okay that the violence happens. It's not what I'm saying, right? However, we're, we're being foolish if we don't think animals are going to hurt each other. <laughs> like, right. we're being very silly, yeah. right? You know, uh, so it's more the, the structure around it. As I've always said, and I know you're talking about like, teachers and beliefs and parents, but, you know, you know, I'm off on my planet here. Um, I've always been less concerned with the three people who did the crime than with the rest of the town who's there to celebrate the crime. Exactly. So yeah. that's what I'm thinking about. That's more pervasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's also, it's just like, it's pretty easy to either just avoid those three people or, you know, punish or whatever those three people, because frankly, like most, no matter how, even the most hateful people, mostly the, the hatefulness in your brain and the actual action are not the same impulse, right? right? Like, you know, like actually going there and like doing the, the active thing is, is still a step beyond what most people are willing to do, even on the positive side. Right, you know, like you right. like really doing, yeah, like doing stuff, yeah. thinking stuff is just, you know, that's how we all are, right? And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's okay. So, how, I guess to, to me, my question would be: You hear these things, and I think about how that manifests in a classroom or a parenting setting, um, where like they do understand certain things. So you mentioned suspensions or certain things that are basically policy-based. And you talked sort of about this sort of American dream, the meritocratic, the master narrative. Just It seems like what's so hard to dislodge in people, it's like it's like the statistical evidence has worked on them because they see this, the, right. the statistical right. evidence of whatever. But it doesn't work on... The myth making. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how does one, tr- like, I think the only thing that can dislodge the myth making is other stories, you know, yeah. because it yeah. seems like the, the statistics, they, they get it, but they still believe, oh, well, they're not working that hard. You know, and it's just like, it's, it, it, it's not this, I don't know, it's like, you know, taking an antibiotic for something that's a virus. Right. Right. I, I think like a lot of, and let me caveat to here too, like these teachers are doing one of the hardest jobs in the world. <laughs> so, and these people are, are great people too. And so like, um, not one of them had anything hateful to say at all. You know, they, they are, they're loving children. They're focusing on supporting young children. And so I think a lot of what I heard was a lot of distancing from racism or sexism, a lot of distancing themselves and their classrooms from those systems. So even though they acknowledge that even they are in an education system and the education system as a whole is racist and sexist and perpetuates these things, they're still saying, not in my classroom, not in me. And there is a, a very um, comfortable distancing there that feels like that's not in my head. I wouldn't act like that. That's just something that I know happens. And so it is that like self-reflection piece um, that folks are sometimes missing and that tool in their toolbox to be able to see like how that's actually manifesting in their own classrooms, even just because of what you're not doing. 
like so often they're like, no, I would never do harm. Right. And I'm like, of course, of course. Right. But like, what are you not saying in your classrooms? What are you not acknowledging? What are you not acknowledging in yourself? And it, it feels, it feels comfortable to distance and to talk about systemic things, which, you know, are more influential than those like interpersonal things. But I don't think any of these teachers feel that like individual hate towards a child. Right. But it's just considering you can't absolve yourself from that. Like we're all in these systems and you can't kind of uh, move through your life and say, no, not in me, not in my classroom, but it totally exists elsewhere because everybody thinks it's elsewhere. That's got to be happening somewhere. Right. And it's more about what you don't do, what you're not doing. I mean, I think you get this problem is sort of it's twofold, right? Because if there's individual and systemic things, right, um, you get people, let's just say, you get white people on the left who um, will acknowledge that there are systemic issues, right? Mm-hmm. And, but they'll do it in such a way that, like you say, they'll be like, so what I can do about it. <laughs> right, right. It's it's somewhere else. It's like in the water, but I can't filter the water. <laughs> right. You're like I'm I'm happy yeah. to point it out. I'll go stand in the back of a protest, but like there's nothing, there's nothing I can do about it. And then you people on the right who will say there aren't systemic issues, so all that matters is being nice. And if I'm outwardly nice, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And Just be kind. Right. Exactly. And so like. I don't think it's very useful for me to sit here and say, well, this one is 43% bad and this one is 94% bad or something. Like, they're both a problem, right? Um, And, you know, I don't think – I was in this very nerdy mode this morning talking to this Discord of um, people who, like, listen to this. It's complicated. Uh, But I was talking to them about how – you know, the tendency for, for, you know, progressive white people to very correctly point out the issues in economic exploitation in this and other countries, right? And then to also point out, because again, I'm talking about people who are more progressive, point out, you know, racial exploitation, but then they, for whatever reason, don't seem to understand it's the same issue. Right. Right? Like, they won't put it together, because if you put it together, you can't get away from it. Right. It's easy for people who generally don't they're not necessarily poor, but they don't have a ton of money to be like, see, this is a problem. And I'm like, yeah. And then they'll be like, and see that that's a problem, too. The economic exploitation isn't my fault because I don't have enough money for it to be my fault. And the race exploitation isn't my fault because I'm not because that's the system and that's how it is. So whatever it is, it's all out of my hands. Right. That's why in my work, I focused on sort of the middle ground, right? I'm like, everybody has some power to some extent, right? And there's right, got to be just something. It's, it's like, how, what levers can you push? Exactly. You know, and I think that people aren't really cognizant of the levers they can push. So what you're saying, what they're not doing in the classroom, right? Um, and I, even I, where I talk about this stuff publicly, you know, even I'm just like, does this matter? You know, I just, uh, and, it's sort of, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it's complicated how sometimes, although interpersonal, you know, cruelty or kindness is not the only thing that matters, 
sometimes your impact will be interpersonal, like in a positive way. And you have to accept that that can hopefully lead to more things. You have to not rest on your laurels. Because, like, I'll get frustrated when I do all this stuff and, like, the systems stay the same. And then people will tell me that they made some individual changes. And I can't sit here and be like, well, that's bad. Right? Don't do that. You should be focusing on, right. You know? Yeah, like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good here, too. It's like, just your, find your lever, right? And I think that that's why also people want to distance themselves from it because, or they're not purposefully doing this. This is just how they're thinking about it. Cause it does feel then like, well, it's too big and I'm not enacting any harm. So thus I am not a part of this and I don't have enough power. And I feel like, I mean, it is those interpersonal things. I mean, especially in classrooms with young children, like those interpersonal things that a teacher might be the messages that they're sending to young children, like who's allowed to feel what and um, how they're responding to young children's emotions. That one feels, that feels big. I mean, it's not a big systemic issue. It's not changing the policies of, you know, preschool suspensions and like little black girls hair being policed in even preschools. It's not, Although do that, yes, but I think also the way that they're socializing children is one of those um is a is a big deal and it's something that they could um they could have a lot of influence on even like young children's perceptions of themselves, which then really does kind of change the world in some way, right? It's like not just being nice. It's not just like like a lot of the teachers will be like, oh, I just always want to stay positive in the classroom. I want to be positive. I try not to bring my feelings in. I want to keep everything light and positive. And this, this kind of almost toxic positivity where it's like, we're afraid of bad feelings. But if in those moments you can allow for, you know, allow for young children to feel anger and teach them how to appropriately navigate that through a place of like respect and love and like making a child feel seen and heard is something that's like, a huge deal. You know, it does seem like that almost becomes systemic. We got to mute myself. Uh, yeah, I think that what I think people struggle with sometimes is that like, people don't do this as much with me anymore because I basically told them to stop. But, um, they'll ask me like, well, do I do X or do I do Y? I'm like, you kind of have to do both. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just like, you may not be able to do both literally both today. Right. And like right. that's fine. Right. Because what it is, is that and this isn't just whiteness. This is capitalism. It's a lot of things. And it's not. In fact, it might just be humans. Like I'm saying, sometimes when we say things are capitalism, I'm like you might just mean that humans do this. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you're like being on time is capitalism. I'm just like, I mean, I'm pretty sure they had a schedule before that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you had to be on time for the harvest. So like. Yeah, there are things that, like, even seasonally we really had to pay attention to. Like, the, right. the concept of time is not inherently white, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not, it's just the, the particular way in which we measure it. Uh, you right. Know, right. But it's not, like, like there's always been time. They weren't just walking around like, I don't know what's happening, right? <laughs> I don't um, know. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, is that it's really important to, you know, be able to do both. And when I say both, I mean both big and small. And when I talk about the, when I went on before I started ranting about perceptions of time is like, there's an inherent desire for finality. Yeah. Right. And if you have a desire for finality, 
then when you don't get there, because you won't, right, then you, you never get up or you, you're just like, ah, well, what was the point of that, right? Or you design it in such a way that just getting to point A means you're done and we don't have to worry about it anymore, right? I you did know. my thing. Check it off the list. I feel good right. about myself now. <laughs> yeah. So since that's a, a a big part of the issue, when I and the doing the both thing is what's so hard for people. I'm like I'm not not understanding of that, right? Like I get why it's hard, um, especially for some people like not like me where I want to do nine things at once just because like I have no other way of being. But mm-hmm. like there are people for whom that's not true. And, um, you know, it's just something that people really need to sort of, I, I, I understand personally that I, I get, have to give myself deadlines to do stuff. Like I can't just, it'll be done someday. Like I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm not going to do it. It doesn't have to be externally imposed, but I have, to, there has to be a time in which I'm going to do a thing. Right. Like right. I Otherwise have, it's disheartening if you, yeah. you're just consistently moving and nothing's happening. Nothing feels like it's changing. All right. When I tell people that one of the things that's important is to start celebrating the small victories, like that's really important. You know, it's like you and the way you celebrate a small victory. And I say it as such is because if you celebrate a small victory as such. You know, it's a small victory. That's fine. You pop your bottle. Like, it's very silly to, to just say, well, because the job isn't done, we should never celebrate. Job is never going to be done. So that means you're never going to celebrate. You're going to give up. Right. Like, give, give up on the idea that the job will be done. You know, right. like, I mean, if you're, if your idea is to like update your library to include more like inclusive books, that might be done, but also it's not because the next year there's a new book and you're going to keep like re-navigating your library. And so like, if we, if we can give up on the idea that we're going to be done, that's a helpful thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I look back at, um, my, I say early, four years ago, right? But, you know, the, the, the stuff I was writing when I first was trying to get published, you know, it's different than what I would write now, but more so in focus than in terms of what I believed. Because honestly, although I have sharpened my ideas, they're not really different. Right. You know, like, like, like it's the, still the, the core same is, core there. Yeah, the core is there. And what I think that people struggle with is like, it's not the core. And people are more focused on the, surface level output than the the core ideologies under it. I'm not saying my ideologies haven't and won't change, right? Um, I also think when I was writing that essay about being one in 1,000, it also made me think about how, like, the rarity being good, but it's also bad in the sense of, not only for me, but, like, backing up from being a black scholar, when you go to the, just the 2% of American adults who have a doctorate, like, that is a very small group of people, mm-hmm. right? And if this is the only people you talk to, you can get very skewed <laughs> way of oh, seeing the world. <laughs> Anyone listening, please make sure that's not your life. <laughs> yeah, because, like, sometimes, and, I'm, and and if you're listening to this, you know, I love you for listening all this time, but I also, if you listen to this, you know I say this all the time. Like, uh, you cannot only talk to academics. Like, you can't. You can't. You cannot do it. We live on a planet. And, like, the thing is, I'm not even a full-time academic, and I still live on this planet to some extent, right, just because of the way my yeah. brain works to the point where, like, I can't, there's things that I, like, you know, I've said this to you many times, but, like, when I try to read nonfiction, I have to choose something that's completely out of my wheelhouse to find yeah. it interesting, right? Because if it's 
Like if it's like a, a non like one of my favorite the best nonfiction book I've read that was not related to any research I did in the last year was a book called The Number Ones. And there's this column I I, I read on Stereo Gum and he goes through every number one hit in Billboard history, right? He's up to twenty eleven right oh, now. Oh that guy. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 He just got he just <laughs> today today he did firework, right? Um you know the Katy Perry song, right? So Oh yeah. Um and he released a book last year that was like twenty number ones that had the most impact on the music industry. With some except, like, he didn't choose only one per artist. Like, you know, he wasn't going to just do, like, five Beatles songs or something, right? Um, And uh, that was the best book, the most enjoyable nonfiction book I read in the last year that, you know, because I I, I didn't think about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you can put it down. (laughs) You know, and also, like, to some extent, I've I've read his work. He does care about issues that I care about, right? This, he's, you know, he's a seven foot, he really is seven feet tall, uh, white guy. And, but, you know, he talks specifically about race and gender and things like that when he writes about his things. So I, you know, I vetted his work enough to, to, to worry he wasn't going to say some nonsense, but it's not about that. Right? It's about the songs, right? And I'm not saying that in a like, can we just all not talk about politics? Well, I mean, sometimes I just want to read a book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you're allowed to just like enjoy things. Right. And, um, but like anything that's about a serious issue, right? It's either, and I've said this to you before, it's either going to be the person isn't skilled enough at the issues I care about and I'm going to be mad, mm-hmm. or half the stuff I read already, because I know, right? Yeah. Or I'll say, or, no, there's three choices, sorry. It's those two, or it's an academic book and it's unreadable. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. So I'm saying, because, like, if I want to, like, I'm trying to read more, like, stuff about disability and stuff like that, and I just find it interesting, but, like, I still am just like, you can read this book, man. Uh, yeah. Like, it's just so hard to read. Um, so I end up citing the same stuff just because it's the most readable stuff, and, like, I don't want to be those people who just cite something because if people cite this book, you know, like, I'll do it occasionally. Yeah. But, like, so then there's no thing, because, like, I get that if I were to write for, like, Penguin Random House, and they told me, like, you need to make sure that the general audience understands this, yeah, I would do it, right? Like, you want to get the book mm-hmm. published by Penguin Random House or something like that. But that means for the first hundred, like, they're dropping in, like, here is information about what lynching is. And I'm just like, all right. You know, right. it's like, like, I don't need, like, the 101 <laughs> of it. Like, right. yeah. You know, say, say something new. You know, and the thing is, these are scholars who like they probably are just like rolling their eyes when they have to put this stuff into. Yeah. But like they're just like this is the only way I'm going to get my book published in you know the mainstream, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's there should be like a skip to page blah like it's like a choose your own adventure like like a yeah. self assessment test at the beginning of like where you need to start in this book. Because um, I, I mean I'm it is so to... important to start with that like 101 stuff where like the only reason why I know anything about like about racism and about systemic injustice is like, because I had the opportunity to go to graduate school, like because of privilege anyway, you know? And so it's like when I'm talking to folks who haven't had the opportunity to even understand that, to reflect on that, like it's not for some people, it's not necessarily because of anything they haven't done. I think honestly, at this point though, if you've like opened your eyes, like you're like, you're like at this point specifically ignoring particular media if you haven't actually been exposed to these ideas you know so i say all that to be like the the racism 101 is really important um 
it's just, you know, not, it might not be your bag, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's also like one of the things I've been more annoyed about in the last couple of years, especially since, you know, the pandemic and everything is like, and this is not a conservative problem, right? What I'm about to say, it's just a people problem. And every time I say this, I do not mean to be both sides are the same about it. So, so stop it, listeners. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's a, I don't want to use the word literacy, but savviness maybe, uh, problem. Mm-hmm. But like, um, my friend, real, you know, savvy guy in some ways. So like, we were talking about baseball, right? And, Someone was writing an article about why this one team was doing poorly, right? Okay. And my friend goes, this is a great article. They got, a lot of sports writers are really talented at pros. Like, that's why they tend to be good sports writers. Like, that, like you need the punchiness in the sports, yeah. right? I yeah, like, make it feel like you're watching the game. game. Right. You mm-hmm. know, but like, it's like propulsive. you got to be propulsive. And I will not take that away from them because academics don't know how to do it. So, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, but... I'm looking at this and it says this player's statistics were the, it said like the, the worst qualified on base percentage for this team's position since 1991. And I'm like, this is the most cherry picked group of things. Yeah. <laughs> seen. It was like one statistic, one position since this one year. And I said, okay. How many people are actually in that sample? <laughs> oh <laughs> no! You're like, what's the end? Uh, yeah, and like that's the thing is that like if you're just reading that, and this is the one thing with the academic training that I do think is genuinely valuable is it gives you a, a savviness that you you can't turn off, right? And um, you know, to the point where when I see the word uptick, I'm just like, I'm not looking at this anymore, right? You know, whatever <laughs> you see, because I'm just like. I'm just like, and it says, it's up 12%. And I'm like, okay, what was it at? Right? <laughs> you know? I'm right, just like, right. You can't, I'm just like, you can't. Percent of what? Half, you can't do half of the thing. And then, and then like, they just, they're trying to get clicks. And I'm just like, damn it, they got my click. Then I read it and it's, because I look at them, this is alarming. Right? Rage and then I read it and I'm just like, you got the click. Damn, you got my click. Right? Because like, I'm not blaming, they're like, basically, they called up a doctor. And the doc, and they're like, what do you think about this? And the doctor mm-hmm. talks for a minute and they intersperse his quotes throughout the article. Yeah. And, and they <laughs> forgot what they said 10 seconds right. after exactly. they got off the phone. Like, this and isn't then, like, and then, like uh, they'll caveat it in the article. Like, he, he'll be like, this could be bad three, three paragraphs later, but we don't know. It could actually be okay. Right. But the headline is like, this will be bad. And I'm just, you're like, all dying oh. for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm just like, yeah. Last year, they said something about there was something coming out, and it's like, this is going to be worth nothing. Literally nothing happened. And I'm just like, and this is it's bad, not only because it's annoying, but also because, like, you know, Peter and the Wolf thing. Like, you know, it's the same reason that Hurricane Sandy was really bad in New York, because the previous year, Hurricane Irene was not bad. Yeah. And they kept telling us how bad it was going to be, and we were like, eh. And then the next year, it was really bad, right? Um, right, like, let's stop sensationalizing things to maybe, like, Get a little less chicken little. <laughs> I mean, but like, so to go back to what you're saying, um, to actually focus on the topic of the conversation, but a novel concept. Um, the, 
I think about this with racism and everything a lot. And I was thinking about a theory this morning, right? Um, and I, obviously I talk about like disorder and the concept of disorder a lot, right? And like mm-hmm. what, what we perceive as disorders, you know, being outside of the norm of society, right? Um, you know, quote unquote society, but, or maybe it's quote unquote norm, right? Um, but you can't quote unquote everything because then you can't talk, and that's I can never say like let me put quotes on everything. It's just like then what does um, exist? Uh, quick question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, I actually put that in one of my in a in a in a chapter in a book that I think still hasn't come out yet, even though I wrote it two years ago. Um, the chapter I mean, and I basically wrote like, look, this article is about the concept of native and non-native speakers. I cannot put quotes around it all the time. You understand what I'm saying, that I don't believe these concepts are real, right? I didn't say it that way, but, like, anyway. Yeah. Um, because, like, it's about it, so I had to say it, like, every three sentences. So, you know. So, anyway, I was in the playground this morning dropping my son off. And, you know, every so often, because the playground is a public space, maybe somebody's sleeping in there, right? Mm-hmm. Just a person, right? And... You know, he's asleep. He's not really doing anything. Probably shouldn't be there, but he's asleep, right? And then I'm thinking, every time these things happen, I think about it, right? And, like, unless I see something where I'm, where I think there's an active danger. Like, one time I saw a guy walk around with a machete. I was like, all right, it's kind of dangerous. You probably shouldn't be that doing seems, that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that a, I don't know where the line is, but that's across <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, okay. But but the problem, he wasn't asleep, though. Right. Uh, if he was asleep with machete, that'd be weird. But like, you know, uh, um, if he was in a bear costume asleep, with a machete. <laughs> but anyway, nothing actually happened with the machete guy. At least, I mean, it wasn't in the news or anything. So nothing happened. I mean, if, if something had happened, it would have been on the news because there's a machete involved. Um, so, but this guy's asleep. And I was thinking about like, in order for you to be in a state where you're just like, I'm going to go to sleep on a child's slide, which is where he was. It's not, a be- it's not a flat, it's not a ground. It's not a slide. Like, this thing is a twisted slide. I'm like, for you to think, this looks like a good place to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta be so far into whether it's your head or a substance for that to just make sense, right? There were benches. Wasn't on a bench, right? Mm-hmm. It's already bad enough for you to be in the state where you think that sleeping outside on a bench makes sense or it's your only option or whatever. To be on a slide, like, things have gone poorly. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm thinking how someone else might see that and feel like a sense of danger. Not so much because I think that they think that what the person is doing is dangerous in the moment, because obviously he's asleep. Yeah. But I thought about it and I said, this person to a different mindset is representing. That is such a, a disorderly thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is not in my schema. Right. That if they would do that disorderly thing, there's no telling what else they could do. So maybe they're going to kill me. Right? Like, like, it just goes all the way there, right? It jumps all the way to that because, like, this is out of the ordinary. It must be bad. And and I must be afraid. (laughs) Right. And, like, I, you know, I don't know what happened. My son was still, like, I left him there in the daycare, and then they were there, and then in the pictures, they sent pictures, and he he was gone, so I guess he woke up and left, um, because he would have been in the background, so whatever. Um, but, like, you know, I think that it's not, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, 
because when you, to talk about the beliefs, teachers and parents and all that, and, and, you know, I understand, especially now as a parent, right, there's things where, you know, I am a little bit more, not that specific situation, but there's situations where I would be more concerned than if I was not with him. On the other hand, I'm a little bit less concerned in the sense that, like, you, you gotta be even farther out of your gourd to, a, to, a, to hurt a child when you're just on something, right? Like, you know, so, um, sometimes when I'm with him, I'm like, well, they're not gonna attack us. <laughs> so, uh, not that I'm gonna like, here's my shield, but, you know, um, but the thing about the beliefs <laughs> and everything is, um, I think that that's part of it. And I think that's hard to get at in research, you know, is mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I would love to ask people questions about their concept of sort of, I don't think anyone's even thought about it is the problem. And I think that that's reflected in some of what you're saying is what I was yeah. trying to get at. Yeah. 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 I feel like if you, if I asked these folks, like anything, if I used the word disorder, like they would, they would probably think, you know, like DSM, like how you have so lovely, like put your book to that, like aligned your book to that framework. Um, but yeah, if I, if I asked like, what are your, what are, you can't even ask a question like that. Like what the norm of, like, I don't even know how you would ask. It just kind of comes out. Well, I mean, I think what you could do, but they have to be visual. And then how do you get the visuals? Right? Is like, you have to show. Because then it would depend on framing and priming, right? Because I'm thinking like, you could show pictures of a, a few people doing things that are abnormal, right? And then you could ask which one seems dangerous, right? And you could make sure they're all the same race or something. Right? right, so it's not that, right? Or do several tests of different and right, right, yeah. exactly, right? Um, and which one seems dangerous or whatever? Or you could say, on a scale of one to ten, how dangerous does this person seem? Or mm-hmm. you could take the word dangerous out of it and just say, what's the first word that comes to mind when you see what this person yeah. is doing? I, right? I also think you would glean a lot from a a why follow up. So, like, you know, what's more dangerous? What's more abnormal what's more disordered you know but why like because it's i think this like intangible thing which is why i love studying like people's beliefs because it's like it's subconscious sometimes like you're just making this like direct assumption you're just like going with your first thought about what you've been socialized to think about order and to think about people and so a a why follow-up you know you could hear the the inner workings of potentially why they were making the assumptions that they were yeah. Now, now I'll do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting and I, um, but unfortunately because most academics don't know how to talk to the public, you know, even if people did that sort of thing, like it would end up in the, in, in the clickbait as, as like something completely different. We're thinking about the yeah. game of telephone that would, that happens between even when people are well intentioned and they're doing something interesting. What between yeah. that, like, like they could publish in the journal and, and there are people publishing interesting articles in journals, right? Um, and then for that to make it, to bubble its way up. Oh, to, yeah. But it newspaper. becomes so sensationalized. It's right. so like, it's a clickbait title. Like I, I, I'm always afraid. Like I've, I've been asked to do interviews and things like that, like for my papers. And I'm just like, I need to look at it before you submit it. Like I need to read what you wrote about this paper because 
you know, people even down to like, this causes this. Um, you know, like, ex well, no, okay, no, like, first still- of all, we can never say anything about causation, even if it is like an experimental longitudinal, whatever, really, like, we don't know, we're, we're studying humans, you can't say that you can, like, predict with all reliability something, but it does, it gets, it gets sensationalized, it is like, this is wrong, this is bad, this is true, this is how this works, and it's like, oh, honey, I did a study of, like, 200 kids, the, we don't know anything from that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I really, it really bothers me with, with the medical stuff, especially, and especially now, you know, with various things about like COVID and long COVID and stuff, and it just says like, it'll say two things that are, that infuriate me. It'll say, put, potentially, and I'm like, all right. You're making stuff up. <laughs> it says potentially between a 10 and a 30%. I'm like, too big of a range. Like, don't even put numbers then. Like, <laughs> maybe between 10 and 30. That's, yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh, you know, chance of an increase in, the, and I'm just like, all right. Let's just say that's true. Did you tell me what my chances were beforehand, though? Right? Because it'll right. say, like, because what they're basically saying is, like, you might have, you might have a, bet- you might have have between a 10 and 30 percent increased chance of x y and z right if you have had it at some point right which would be everybody at this point basically right and i'm like okay but what were my chances before because if my chances mm-hmm. let's just say 10 to 30 is true let's say because they don't know uh i'm not blaming the doctors the doctors are doing studies and the people are writing about it right um what's actually the chance that that happens to me now for that, for right. Because if the chance is one in a thousand and it went up from 10 to 30 percent, and so now my chance is 1.1 or 1.3 in a thousand. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, sure. Okay. All right. I, like, I'm not going to lose sleep over that, but like, what? 10 percent of what? <laughs> right. You know, and, but, but if yeah. you, but then like you get into a journal article because you have all the numbers and then people are like, I'm not reading that. Uh, uh-huh. Because journal articles, like, people don't figure out how to read them in a way that that's useful. What I'm t- hoping to do in future work is like, there's going to be some numbers in there and I'm trying to do it like each chapter. I'm like, here's a bunch of numbers. Now let me write about it. Right? right, you know, so if you want to go look at the numbers, they can look at it. But like the full on, like nothing is like I'm not interpreting like the rest of it will be my theories and so forth. But the 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 numbers, like here's what it says, right? You want to know what it says? You know, here's what it says, and you can interpret that as you will. But but that's what it is because like the things that are obvious don't tend to end up in studies because they're obvious. And not, like the things that are not complex don't tend to end up in studies because they don't tend to approve studies that aren't very complex yeah. uh, or novel or creative. I mean, there's bad studies, but like they don't tend to be like you're just like, what would happen if I gave somebody heroin? Like they're not going to do it. So right. like, like we we kind of know. <laughs> so, kind of know. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, are ten drinks or zero drinks better for you? Like you know, it would have to be like. And then also all those studies, the alcohol thing, like, and I was listening to something on that and, and um, on on a podcast last week. They're just like, they're like, look, clearly any al- amount of alcohol can be harmful for you, but 
the people who have this much are also usually doing this other thing. And it's just like, because you're not sitting people in the lab for 10 years and giving them certain amounts of alcohol. Like it just doesn't work. When you're studying humans, you can't, you can't control for everything. You can't measure everything. You can't know everything. So like, what are we even doing? This is when I spiral and I'm like, why do I do research? (laughs) Everything is a lie. (laughs) Well, that's what, I mean, that's why I gave up on the quantitative stuff because I'm just like, "Ah, I don't know. Um, but unless it's like descriptive, then I'm just like, this percentage of people, this thing is true and I didn't try to experiment or whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do more of. And I realize, I'm realizing to make, (laughs) to do that and make things seem actually more like attainable and accessible. Journals don't like that and they want me to do a really complicated statistical thing. And I'm like, I just, it's interesting that teachers rated this as the highest. Isn't that something? And they're like, but you should do a moderation analysis. I'm like, why? You know, like there are some things that really require that that level of statistical complexity and you can ask and answer really interesting questions that way. But I don't think every study needs to be out here doing the most. I think you can say a lot with simple descriptive, maybe a correlation, maybe, but some quotes, you know, like and and that's that's a human piece. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to balance. It's like a simple descriptive thing tied to some stories. Right. Because like that, that to me covers a lot and like I feel like the only time when they really do it in a way that makes a lot of sense is when they do like drug trials and then they're really controlling like that's yeah. what they're doing right like right. That's, how they, that's how they do that right that makes sense uh, and, or you know but they can't even do it for things that are subjective like um, you know neurodivergence diagnoses or something right you can't say well you know there's you know 13% and I'm just like ah, you don't you don't know because not everybody who has it's been diagnosed, so you don't know what percentage, right. right? And and you know you don't you don't disaggregate based on race. Um, whenever I read something about parents, I'm like, which parents? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, like I remember reading articles in 2021, probably when you know they were developing the kids' version of the vaccine, and it was taking a long time. Oh, it seemed like it was not. None of the vaccines took a long time, but I just mean that it seemed like a long time, and I get it because I had a kid and all that. So, but I'm just saying, like, it seemed like a long time, right? And I'm just and uh, and it says like your friends with kids are not okay, and I'm like, all right, uh, I'm not saying they are, but which friends? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? It's just like there's there's layers, there's levels <laughs> of not okayness, and that's an important distinction. It's like it's like who. Who did you talk to? Um, and I, I like also friends. learned, yeah, exactly. Um, and I said, like, everyone is, 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 through. I'm like, who is everyone? Right? You know? Um, and I asked my friend who works for the Washington Post was sourcing some potential interviews recently for people that my wife would qualify for. It said, working mothers with children under five. And that's like, you want to do it? She's like, yeah, okay, fine. So I sent her the email address. I don't know if she followed up or not. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, I can bet you, whether she, if she talks to my wife, that my wife would be the only person of color that she talks to. Not because mm-hmm. she has, like, a problem, but that's just who she knows. Yeah. You know? And, like, then, the, but then the article won't mention that all the people are white. It'll, it'll change their name probably anyway, right? It may or may not change their names. Sometimes change their names, sometimes it doesn't, depending on what it is, right? But like, you know, it's, she's not going to, if, if she wanted a broad range of people, she would have said that. She would have said, I'm trying to talk to people from many different backgrounds. 
right? Right, right, purposefully, yeah. Right, and then, you know, sourcing it. But she's just going to talk to her, her friends or her friends' wives, or depending on who her friends are, and, and that's going to be it. And then it's going to be like, well, you know, and it reminded me of, like, I have to go in a second, but it reminded me of, like, when when this sort of Jordan Neely thing happened and he was killed in the subway, and then they go, it's the same thing they do on news all the time, right? And I don't know who they interview on the news. I just know who they put on the news, right? They could have interviewed 10 people and put three people on there. Um, and I've been, like, person on the street on the news before. When I was a teenager, I just happened to be walking on the street, and they asked me something, right? Um, they actually, it was one of the times that they were asking people geography questions, and then they, everybody got everything wrong. And then, like, there were some bright spots, and it was, and I was just answering all the questions. And you were a bright spot. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, it was before social media, though, so I couldn't send anybody the YouTube link now. So, you know, You're going like, to have to find local, it. Local news I liked in like 2002 or something. Um, my friend was like, were you on the news last night? I was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, there was in Times Square asking people where various countries were on the map. And I was just like, right? Nice. Um, they're like, where's Israel? I'm like, so over there. Um, and uh, so anyway, the thing happened. They interview people. They try to get a wide perspective. And the wide perspective is people who are like, it's good that that happened. People who are saying, like, it shouldn't have happened. But, you know, there's these people out there. Right? That was their wide perspective. Right? Because the news isn't for the people who actually live here. It's for the suburbs. So, you know, it's – because the people who live here, they know what's going on here. And the people who, you know. So, anyway. All right, Dr. King. I have to go and continue to actually do my job. Um, But (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know. But it's always good to have you on the show. I'm sure you'll be back. Um, do you have any final things you want to share with the folks? Be the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm hopefully trying to, like, submit this and get it published. But in the meantime, I'm probably going to um, develop some sort of website where I can actually get these findings out there. And so I've stopped using Twitter a lot, but uh, <laughs> I, you, you can X? follow me on that. Not the X. X. You're right. <laughs> I know. I, like, can't even get – I can't even get down with that. Um, But, <laughs> you know, we'll put my hands all somewhere but yeah i'm trying to get more public about this so i don't know if, if anyone has questions just reach out because i have a lot of information now on like parents beliefs teachers beliefs how they're talking to children about feelings so yeah all right thank you for joining me and we will thank you be back in two weeks everybody recording stopped all right no i really do have to go but yeah that yeah. was fun it's always good that was fun thank you always Yes. All right. You have a good day. Okay, you too. Bye.